friends, and welcome to another episode of Right Up Your Algae, where myself and your co-host Emily work to educate about cool and interesting science facts and discoveries. So Emily, as we approach the winter season and the weather is getting colder and, might I say, crisper, I wonder what if there was a way to make myself warmer? Gosh, I wish. I've been thinking about how our genetic makeup can shape the way that we deal with our environment. Hmm. Fascinating thoughts, Clara. Yeah. So for those of you who didn't understand my reference in that last (laughs) few sentences, or those of you who haven't taken an intro bio course within the last few years, you might not know what I'm going to be talking about today, but don't worry, we'll get to that and we'll explain it all. So in today's episode, I will be talking about CRISPR. Okay, so Emily, do you know what CRISPR stands for? One of the words is palindrome. (laughs) And is it complex? No. Complicated? (laughs) It is complicated, yeah. (laughs) No, it's not. It's, It's okay. So CRISPR stands for Clustered Regularly Interspaced Short Palindromic Repeats. That's exactly what I said, Clara. Oh, yeah, sorry. (laughs) So now these are some pretty fancy science words, but what does it really mean? CRISPR is basically a repetitive DNA sequence, and it has been noted in different prokaryotic organisms, which are those that do not have a membrane-bound nucleus, so bacteria and archaea, and it helps them deal with different immune issues. So it's, it's involved in immune system response. So basically, when a virus infects a bacteria, the bacteria inserts part of the virus's DNA into its own genome. The small segments of the virus's DNA is known as a CRISPR array. This way, if the same virus infects the bacteria, the bacteria has previously stored knowledge of the genetic makeup of the virus, and the bacteria will create RNA segments from the CRISPR arrays that will then use a protein or an enzyme known as Cas9 to cut the virus's DNA and thus disarming it. That's basically what we'll be talking about today and how the invention of CRISPR technology is shaping our world as we know it today. So in 2011, a researcher named Emmanuel Charpentier, who is the scientific and managing director of the Max Plant Unit for the Science of Pathogens in Berlin, discovered an ancient, and I'm going to, you can't see it, but I'm saying discovered in quotation marks, an ancient immune system response in the bacteria Streptococcus pyogenes where the bacteria was able to demobilize the virus through cutting up virus's DNA. In 2012, after a collaboration of Charpentier and another researcher named Jennifer A. Dunden, who is a professor at the University of California, Berkeley, they produced a paper that was published in the Science Magazine. The studies showed that there was a way to harness the ancient immune response uh, bacteria technique and develop new types of genome editing. Since then, both Charpentier and Dunda have published many papers on CRISPR-Cas9 technology and are known as the co-inventors of CRISPR technology. In 2020, these women were the sixth and seventh women to win the Nobel Prize in Chemistry. However, these women were not the first to discover CRISPR. We're not gonna so much talk about that later because these are the main two women who 
revolutionized today's CRISPR technologies, but there were researchers who had previously discovered and talked about um, this, this technique that bacteria have been using. This was a huge accomplishment for these scientists, and since then, there has been a lot of controversy concerning this technology. Emily, have you heard of any of the controversy over CRISPR-Cas9? There's a couple different controversies <laughs> with CRISPR-Cas9. I mean, I'm sure, I think there's one that you might be getting into a bit more later on, but another one that I've, I suppose, heard of is this idea of there's a lot that can go wrong with it, or at least there's a lot yeah. that's hypothesized that can go wrong with it, such as especially when you get into editing and removing things like cancer genes or mm -hmm. around cancer genes. Yeah. Yeah, so that's, I will be talking about that a little bit, but I'm not going to go too much into depth. Mm -hmm. I just want to cover the controversy in the media kind of surrounding CRISPR. And also, I will be talking about some good things that CRISPR has provided us with. One of the most controversial concerns are around the genetic editing of gametes, which are egg and sperm cells, and early developing embryos. Emily, have you heard of the the scientist who got arrested for genetically modifying two embryos. No. This happened in China very recently, and I believe it was 2018. What were they editing? So I'll get to that. <laughs> <laughs> this practice would mean that you could theoretically edit the DNA of an embryo to select certain traits, whether they have like brown hair or blue eyes. You can select those traits in an embryo and then implant them into the uterus and let them develop. And obviously, there's been a lot of restrictions based on editing human genomes, especially in Canada and in other like, Western countries. You're not allowed to do this at all. You're mm -hmm. not allowed to touch the human genome. But this, I mean, this has a lot of applications and ethics and stuff. It, it basically... Wherever your morals lie, you could say it's good or it's bad, but we might get into the reasons why it might be actually really detrimental to a lot of people. So in 2018, there was a Chinese scientist who used CRISPR gene editing techniques to alter the genes of two embryos who were carried to term. The embryos were genetically engineered to be resistant to HIV infections. The father was HIV positive and the mother did not have any HIV infection, and they wanted to genetically engineer them so that they wouldn't be able to get HIV. So is it illegal? And I assume it, he was yeah. arrested because it's illegal in yeah, China to because, perform these kind of... Because there was not enough peer-reviewed evidence that it was good to start human testing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, that kind of stuff takes a long time, especially when you're testing new technologies on human. They, they go through, like, three trial stages. I don't think we've begun any of those, maybe one or two, but... Yeah, I think it's very easy to see this as, like, a person who's trying to be very heroic, and I'm sure they were, but they should know and respect the idea of the scientific process. Yeah, and I do believe they did regret their actions, but still, you've performed a procedure on two embryos without knowing the whole consequences. And I do know that there has been testing on embryo development, but they wouldn't, like, they don't go past the embryonic stage. Mm -hmm. Like, that's it. They, you know, they're not put into the uterus yeah. to grow into a fetus and, you know, become a baby. Many other people have also brought up other issues surrounding the CRISPR gene editing tool. And one of these concerns is the eugenics movement. So... Before I start talking about the eugenics movement, 
I want to put in a warning for the next minute or so I'm going to be talking about it. And it may be a difficult topic for a lot of people. So if you are not comfortable listening to this part of the episode, I would fast forward maybe a minute or two and we'll be done talking about it. For those of you who don't know what it is, the eugenics movement has been practiced for a long time and has become a popular part of society in the 20th century. The basic ideology behind eugenics is racism and their belief is that there is a superior race and we need to cleanse the human population. Due to this ideology, there have been practices of involuntary sterilization, segregation, and exclusion of people who were deemed unfit or not pure by the wealthy white people. So this has been practiced all over the world. Many people believe that this gene editing technology is another way of practicing eugenics. There are claims that by being able to select traits of embryos, it discriminates against people with disabilities and genetic differences. Since there is a long history of this type of scientific racism in modern day, the gene editing tool has caused major issues especially in the media. So, Emily, do you have any thoughts on that? I don't necessarily agree that preventing someone to have a disability is ableist against currently disabled people. Basically, in the articles I read, they were worried that we've come so far in the the 21st century or whatever in talking about rights of disabled people and, you know, people with genetic abnormalities, Mm -hmm. that by introducing this technology and being able to select traits of an embryo, Mm -hmm. say, for example, like blonde hair and blue eyes, we're creating this this idea of the perfect race, Mm -hmm. right? And the perfect human. And so that's where their concerns were. But the thing is, when you you talk about CRISPR-Cas9 and whose embryos would be genetically edited, you also have to think of it from that standpoint. Who has access to this technology? I assume it'd be people who could pay for it. Exactly. And generally speaking, those people are already white. Already white. <laughs> and already, yeah. you know, and so we're selecting against a group of people who might be more with with like worse healthcare, we might be selecting against those people just based on the technology available for those people to not have these genetic abnormalities. Do you understand? No, I think I'm getting a little bit confused. So the thing is, is like with CRISPR-Cas9, the people who have who are affluent enough mm-hmm. to afford it would be from Western countries. And people who aren't and maybe don't have access to the same type of healthcare that we do, mm-hmm. or generally people in like more rural areas or more like developing countries. So you think that if, you know, if this is going to become a more like mainstream available technology, that it should be the people who aren't subject to as good health care that have access to it? I think that it should be. Personally, I don't think we should be editing people's genomes. Mm -hmm. And that's just something that I think we shouldn't do. Like I have ethic concerns around that. But I think the whole idea of what they're talking about in the eugenics movement is that People who will get their genome edited will be those wealthy white people. Mm -hmm. And then they'll have less genetic diseases. So they'll be able to live easier. I see. I see. I see. Okay. It's sort of just widening that gap that we already have. Exactly. Okay. I understand. That makes sense. Yeah. And then another problem with CRISPR is the unwanted effects that are seen in human embryos or in other types of organisms 
after the editing happens. So CRISPR-Cas9 can also cause uh, genotoxic and undesired side effects due to the deletion or insertion of DNA sequences that are mismatched and or are off-targeted. However, there are also many positive technologies coming out of CRISPR. Current studies are looking into the following areas of how to use CRISPR-Cas9 in agriculture, in medicine, and in bioenergy. It's kind of just a wider spectrum than, you know, mm-hmm. human-centric and human embryo, edit, like g- genomic editing. It has to do for plants and how we get our fuel. So it was kind of interesting to look at it from that point of view, because we mostly think of it in medicine. Yeah, that actually brought up some thoughts that I hadn't considered before, especially in its use in like plant life and agriculture is particularly I'm thinking of in like fish farming, because I know it's very common for farmed fish to escape and then cause trouble yeah is if we're editing their genomes for specific reasons or like the plants get out like i mean mint i mean that spreads like nothing you know like (laughs) so if editing crispr genes and then utilizing them and then somehow some way either plant life or agricultural livestock gets into the environment if that would cause issues i'm sure that's all being looked at maybe it would be really interesting I didn't look into it, but you just brought up the idea of fish farming and, like, escaped fish. Mm-hmm. And I know, like, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about mosquitoes and editing their reproduction yeah. system. Mm-hmm. So maybe if we had some way to do that, it would limit the genetic dilution that we're seeing in these environments where you have escaped organisms from whatever. CRISPR is being used as one way to try and solve the food insecurity issue that we are facing. One way they're doing this is through modifying the genes in foods so that we decrease food waste. So basically looking at the appearance of food, because when you walk into a store, most people won't buy the bruised apple. They won't buy the mushrooms that are browning. So they're trying to use CRISPR to genetically modify these plants and these like fruits and vegetables to have a more appealing look and to have a longer shelf life and that way reduce food waste. So I thought that was pretty interesting because we talk about food waste and a lot of that comes from just how a plant looks, mm-hmm. like how a fruit or vegetable looks. We won't buy it. Yeah. This is something I actually didn't know that a lot of the, until I started working with the research center, is a lot of the apples that you see at like farmer's markets, things like that. Those are the apples that they just could not send to the market because they were things like too big. Like they were, you know, they're not any better or worse. They just weren't, you know, the market standard. So another great way is buying things directly from the source. Yeah. So there are also thoughts that maybe CRISPR can use, create healthier diets. Basically what they're talking about here is changing the characteristics of a fruit or vegetable to make it easier to consume. So I'll give you an example. If you eat a bag of chips... And this is directly kind of from this website that I found it on. Everything will be included in the episode description, just like it is every week. You open a bag of chips and you can just readily eat those, right? Mm -hmm. But if you want to eat a carrot, you have to peel the carrot, wash the carrot, slice the carrot, and probably cook the carrot. It's a pretty time-consuming process. And the reason I had originally gone with the carrots thing (laughs) is because on the website they said, and this is why we invented baby carrots. Oh! Because you can just... Eat those baby baby carrots. Yeah, Yeah, you could just eat those baby carrots. They're ready. You can eat them out of the bag. It's super easy. Being able to modify these fruits and vegetables to be more readily consumed for individuals will make them healthier 
And it'll also reduce food waste again. There's that reduction of food waste. And in regards to livestock, they have been using CRISPR to, you know, help with lab-grown meats and stuff. And I know that's also a controversy in itself, but this is not what this episode is about. So I'm not going to get into that controversy, but yeah, so they're having it with lab-grown meats and this can decrease, you know, livestock emissions and everything like that. So next, let's move into what they're using CRISPR for in the medical field. There are many opportunities to use CRISPR to help with lots of different human diseases. And like we've talked about before, there is a lot of issues surrounding this, especially some of these non-targeted side effects and symptoms of using gene editing tools. They're still in the early stages of development for looking at how to reduce diseases such as sickle cell anemia. And also looking at using CRISPR as a preventative measure for diseases like malaria. And as time goes on, these diseases such as malaria are going to increase and increase more significantly. So finding preventative uh, medicines and preventative technologies is really where I find a lot of medicine is trying to focus their energy on. Like these days, like looking at preventative measures instead mm-hmm. of dealing with the symptoms as they come. And I also found a website that I'll include in the episode description that talked about using it for Lyme disease as well. Oh, yeah. To kind of eradicate Lyme disease. And I think that would have to start at the source. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. But it was it was kind of an interesting technology to use that to stop these diseases before they happen. Mm-hmm. Another potential way that scientists are exploring CRISPR is with cancer treatment. And I know, Emily, you talked about this a little bit, like you brought Mm -hmm. it up. And again, there's a lot of issues with this, a lot of ethical issues and a lot of concerns in that regard. But it would be something that would be really cool to look into, you know, Mm -hmm. how we can use a gene editing technique. Because if you guys don't know, cancer is caused by this mutation in your genome that causes your cells to replicate continuously and it doesn't tell it to stop. So, and that's how you grow like tumors and masses. So using CRISPR to maybe stop this mutation in the DNA would be pretty fascinating technology and it would help with curing a lot of those cancers. So in the bioengineering industry, CRISPR is being used as a way to find alternatives to fuels. So one of these alternatives is biofuel. So biofuel is made from plants, algae, and cyanobacteria. Once they produce their photosynthesis, some of the bi- some of the byproducts include fats, alcohols, and sugars. Scientists are using CRISPR to find ways to amplify these pathways of creating these byproducts to produce biofuels. So I thought that was pretty interesting. They're trying to use it in combating the fossil fuel issue I don't know if we should be focusing our energy on biofuels. I was just about to bring that up because biofuels have been... I don't know if this was is as much a thing now, but I feel like when we were kids, we would hear about it all the time. It would be like, college kids, make a car that can run on broccoli or something. You <laughs> yeah. know? I feel like this has been in conversation, but without any, you know, worldwide, large-scale movement away from our current fuel uses. And I feel like... I I don't know that it's going to go anywhere. Yeah. And especially with biofuel, it's still a fuel. You're still emitting carbon dioxide. Mm -hmm. Like, those things are still happening. And I don't know how biofuel is a good way to direct, like, 
our attention to right now. I feel mm-hmm. like maybe we should be looking at alternative energy sources that are reliable and do not cause adverse effects to our environment. And that is a complicated matter in itself. And maybe it can be another episode. <laughs> so I have a joke for you. So Emily, where do geneticists store their vegetables? Where, Clara? In the crisper drawer. You know, in the fridge, they have like two drawers underneath. Yeah. They're called crisper drawers. That joke would be much funnier <laughs> if I knew that that's what they were called. Okay, so for those of you who like that joke, thank you, but Emily doesn't get it, so <laughs> I wasted my time here. <laughs> so now on to everybody's favorite section of our podcast, trivia. Trivia. Question number one. Were Charpentier and Dunda the first to discover CRISPR? No. So you would be correct. For extra bonus points, do you know who was the first to discover that this technology existed and what they found it in? No. (laughs) Okay, so from what I could find, it's kind of up in the air who was the first a little bit, but... And I was supposed to know. Yeah, well, I didn't even talk about it. I just wanted to see if you were, like, super smart and, like, (laughs) super smart and just knew it. So I think from what I could find, the first discovered CRISPR technology kind of thing was in Escheria coli bacteria. And it was described in 1987 by Ishino et al. in Japan from the Okusaka University. Three things in E. coli. Yeah. So big model species. Yeah, <laughs> we gotta love it. We got to love it. So Emily, do you remember what CRISPR stands for? No. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. It's a big one. So clustered, regularly interspaced, short palindromic repeats. Question three. Do you know the names of the CRISPR babies? Now I will read you some options. I'm not gonna leave you in the <laughs> loop like you did me last week. Option one, Vivian and Peter. Option two. Ling and May. Option three, Lulu and Nana. Option four, Chang and Amy. The first one? No. Oh. (laughs) So Lulu and Nana. Okay, question five. What year was the first use of CRISPR on plants? You didn't say this in the episode, right? No. Okay. (laughs) I just want to see if you're, like, super smart. (laughs) Do you want me to give you four options? Can you... No. Can you give me the year that, um... Those two ladios earlier. So 2011 was when it was kind of discovered. Yeah. And 2012 was the paper published. 2017. 2013. Oh. <laughs> Went straight to plants. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a pretty safe route to go with. No, figured they'd go with bacteria. No, I found like, I think that they wanted to start on just like figuring it out. And something I also forgot to mention was that they're trying to use CRISPR to, like, with with plants specifically, trying to use it to combat some of the environmental conditions that are being faced with climate change. So whether that be desiccation, increased temperatures, colder temperatures, wetter climates, something like that, they want to find ways to help plants survive in those types of climates. 
I don't know how many people liked this episode. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of controversial topics in this episode, but I thought it was an important technology to bring up because I have been hearing quite a bit about it since, you know, they won the Nobel Prize. And I think that's fantastic because we need more women winning Nobel Prizes. So that's all for today's episode. Let us know what you think about it. Yeah, you can follow us on Write Up Your Algae podcast on Instagram. It's all one word, lowercase, and leave a review and ratings. Tell me what you thought about this episode. I'm going to put up a post and you can comment your thoughts on whether you think CRISPR is a positive or a negative influence. on Or a mix. Or a mix. Give me your thoughts. And you can also email us at ruiapodcast at outlook.com. That's R-U-Y-A podcast at outlook.com. And yeah, and we look forward from hearing from you guys. And that's everything. We hope this episode was right up your algae. algae.